Speaker Pelosi continues to be Speaker Pelosi. With 216 votes. 216. Does that sound um, close to you? Like, too close for comfort? It should to her. It's definitely too close, considering that the Republican, Kevin McCarthy, got 209 votes. How in the world does that even happen? How did she do so poorly? Well, you had a couple people who decided they weren't going to vote for her. You had one person vote for Tammy Duckworth. Tammy Duckworth is a senator, by the way. I think they voted for Tammy Duckworth. And then you had a couple people not vote. But you only needed the 214, and she got 216, and game over. And she's the Speaker of the House, and she is all about the future right there. Our democracy will be reinvigorated by the vibrancy and dynamism of the communities that you represent. And to our uh, returning members, congratulations to you and your families for your re-election. Yeah, but not their dynamism. Because if you want dynamism, you didn't get it from Emmanuel Cleaver the other day. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Parlor, Tony Katz. Be sure to follow and like there. Did you hear this from Emmanuel Cleaver? He's giving the prayer. He's a pastor, by the way. Oh, I heard this. He's a pastor. He represents the 5th District of, of uh, was it Missouri? And, well, he does this. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. A man and a woman. Okay, let's take a moment to break that down, shall we? First, there is this whole monotheistic what? We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. Look, I'm Jewish, and very often I've heard in Jesus' name we pray, and in the back of my head I'm like, I gavolt. And then I'm like, okay, look, you, you feel free. Not about to get... There was a time in my life when I was younger where I would really get insulted, and then I learned to say to myself... Is it something that's insulting? If I were to say, hey, can I offer up a prayer and engage a little Hebrew? Do you think anybody would have really been bothered by that? Would he probably said, sure. So if I wanted to do it, why would I stop them from doing it? Do I think there's another way to say it? Very well, maybe. Brahma? Let's listen again. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names, by many different faiths. I mean, that's just a peculiar thing to say. We ask it in the name of the monotheistic god Brahma, Brahma, B-R-A-H-M-A, that's what I thought. And God known by many names and many different faiths. But that's not how he ends it. He ends it this way. He ends it with amen, but 
a man and a woman. He's a pastor. Amen, meaning so be it. Not a man. He's so busy being woke that he had to, he, he didn't recognize where he was. He didn't recognize that amen was amen. That is just crazy. Like the House introducing new rules to be gender neutral. It's new rules in the 117th Congress because they want to include diversity. They want to uh, highlight issues of inequity. So it promotes LGBTQ rights through gender-inclusive language. This, this is actually happening. Now, whether or not it goes through and, and it gets really utilized is, is something different. Gender terms like father, daughter, mother, and son are now eliminated in the House rules for the 117th Congress. I would pay no attention whatsoever, as I've said many times, many, many times. Someone's offense to my utilization of language doesn't put upon me any reason to change how I utilize the language. Zero. If someone prefers a pronoun and I don't use the proper pronoun, I don't go to jail. Because I maybe I'm using the proper pronoun, just not the one that they like. Now, you could say, hey, Tony, that's pretty jerky of you. All right, that's a personal opinion. We're discussing the ideas of somehow eliminating language. Eliminating language is surreal. Father is a term, mother is a term, daughter is a term, son is a term, and they should all be utilized and there's nothing wrong with them. And the people who are offended by that, they need to seek help. Or like me, when hearing in Jesus' name, we pray, be like, okay, there are worse things. Doesn't offend me. You could do it in some kind of all-encompassing way. You just heard me say this, but all right, that's what you do. Because I realized it was absolutely nothing to get worked up over. It made no sense. I don't get to stop other people at all and in any way. Are there other people in the room? Yes. Do they all believe the same thing? Not necessarily. But you want to say in Jesus' name we pray? Fine. But if I'm going to allow it to bother me to the point that I don't think you should be allowed to have the meeting or do the prayer at all, well, then what value is there? What am I actually doing? I'm acting like these people who say you can't use certain pronouns. And these people are fundamentally wrong. And what they favor is an eradication of culture. And with this is Nancy Pelosi, a Speaker of the House, enabling it all of the way. The question is, is she weak? Does the vote of 216, as opposed to some large majority, mean that she's weak? She didn't get all the Democrats. Democrats have a wider spread than just seven. 216, 209, that's seven. I did the math all by myself. No, I'm not wearing shoes right now, but I didn't have to use them. No toes were involved in that mathematics. I don't yet know if she is weak. What I would say is that I would, I think I could argue effectively that she's not strong as a speaker right now. And her problems come from the squad. 
they come from people who are not happy with the Democratic establishment. You may not be happy with the Republican establishment. I get that. Many Democrats are not happy with the Democratic establishment because they're not strong enough. They're weak and lame and aren't engaged in enough progressive movement. Right? That's what the Ocasio-Cortez's and the Ilhan Omar's and the Rashida Tlaib's and the Ariana Presley's and now Jamal Bowman. That's what they're all saying. Not progressive enough. Let's go to work. That puts Nancy Pelosi in a rough position because she might need those people in order to get some things done because they don't have a, um, a large majority. And can they bring a few other people with them? And could you find some Democrats who realize in order to stop them, maybe I'm going to have to side with the Republicans every now and again because we simply can't have that on our watch. I think we're in for, for some very interesting times here in 2021. That the political landscape may have Democrats in the White House, may have Democrats in the House of Representatives. We'll find out about the Senate. But not everything is... They don't have the strength now that they had, let's say, with Barack Obama. There's a good there's a good way to compare it. Not at all. Biden is not with them on the progressivism, although Biden can get pushed in a lot of places. What if he decides to stand up and say no? Do I think Biden is a progressive? Yes, uh, compared to what I believe a Democrat is. But is Biden in the place that Ocasio-Cortez is? No. He can be pushed there, but he's not there. Pelosi doesn't have the strength because she doesn't have the numbers and she has a, a formidable uh, opponent now that she didn't have in 2000. You know, when did she take it back? 2010 or she losing in 2010? She had in 2008. I'd say weaker spot. And we'll see how that plays out for the rest of us. <laughs> for sure. Much more to get to, including my conversation with Cornell Law Professor William Jacobson on these legal challenges going on to, I said on Wednesday in the House and in the Senate on the electors. That's coming up next. I'm Tony Katz. So when we check out these challenges on Wednesday, what are we going to be asking ourselves? Hoping beyond hope beyond hope that they work and Donald Trump remains president for four more years? Is that really the plan? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. I think one of the better questions is, well, the process that we're about to watch from representatives in the House and senators in the Senate, are they following the Constitution? Are they usurping the vote as many people are trying to push out there, specifically in the media apparatchik? Can they set aside electors or can they replace electors for Biden with electors for Trump in specific states, giving President Trump 270 electoral votes? And can there be any challenge to what the House and Senate do? Joining us now is William Jacobson of LegalInsurrection.com, also a Cornell Law professor. And let's uh, take this into a couple of its component parts here. This is challenging the electors is constitutionally 
prescribed, meaning that there is a way for this to happen. Uh, and this is, I argue, happening because the Supreme Court decided not to take cases, even though Justice Alito and Justice Roberts, not Justice Roberts, uh, Justice Thomas said they should, and it's a state's conversation, they should take the case. They didn't take the case. If the Supreme Court had taken some of these cases, would we be in this position today? And are people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and these members of Congress acting in an inappropriate or unconstitutional way? Well, you have a lot of questions in that one question. Uh, the first issue is uh, I think it is highly questionable whether this challenge procedure set out in legislation, legislation which is, you know, almost a century and a half old, uh, is actually constitutional. I mean, the constitutional Constitution says the votes submitted through the states, through the constitutional process, shall be opened and shall be counted. Uh, makes no provision in it for disputes, things like that. The legislation was passed after there was questions, what do we do if a state sends two disputed differing sets of votes? Let's say the legislature of a state certifies one set of votes and the executive branch certifies a different and they send them both to Congress to be counted. What do we do? And the Constitution doesn't tell you that. Uh, but that's not the current situation. There is not a single state which in its official capacity has certified two competing sets of votes. There are people in certain states who have gotten together and said, we're going to propose alternatives, but that's really not constitutional. I mean, I could get together with friends and I could fill out <laughs> votes and put them in an envelope and send them to my fence. That doesn't make it under the constitutional scheme uh, votes presented to be counted. So there, there really is no provision in the Constitution that allows what is going on, but this has been a law on the books from Congress for a century and a half. I don't believe it's ever been challenged before, and that's, that legislation is what the senators are invoking, and the legislation says when the votes are opened um, and the called out to be counted – by the president of the Senate, who's the vice president, Vice President Pence, uh, that if one member of the House and one member of the Senate raises an objection, they go and deliberate on it. So, but you are you? Do you question the idea that, um, or, or or think that Senator Cruz and Senator Hawley, guys who have clerked for for Supreme Court justices, uh, Attorney General uh, in in Hawley and Solicitor General in Ted Cruz, if if they thought there was a real constitutional question here, do you think they'd move forward? I don't know. Uh, I mean, again, this is a law that's been on the books for a century and a half, never been challenged before. You could make an argument that the law is intended to fill in a gap in the Constitution, which is what do you do when you have uh, a contested vote from a particular state? But I think that the law was originally intended to address situations where there are two competing sets, not where there are um, the sort of objections raised now, but I think that's a gray area. So the law was intended to fill in a gap in the Constitution, but nobody should say the Constitution provides for this procedure because it doesn't. Um, it's a congressional legislation intended to fill in a murky area 
and an uncertainty as to what you do. So I don't think they are knowingly or consciously or intentionally violating the Constitution, but there's nothing in the Constitution which says they can do what they are doing. It's, it's congressional legislation. Uh, so the answer to the question is I don't believe they think there's a question, but I think there is a question as to whether this law is actually valid. But assuming that the law is valid, they're entitled to do what they're going to do. Uh, it has zero chance of success. Uh, it's being done, I think, for political reasons, just like Democrats have used the law before. Uh, Democrats in the House have raised these objections, I believe it's four times and three times recently. And right. Democrats in both the House and the Senate raised objections in two th January 2005 to try to prevent George Bush from taking office. So this is not unprecedented, but Nobody should claim it's based in, on the Constitution. So while and we've got zero chance of success, because under the congressional law that they are invoking, they're entitled to object. But once that happens, uh, you essentially have a vote of, of the Congress and you would need both houses of Congress to disallow votes and, from a particular state. And as I understand it, talking to William Jacobson of LegalInsurrection.com, while we still have a minute left, it would, it would not be to replace electors, right? We're not talking about replacing the Biden electors with Trump electors, even though Republicans did in some places push forward their, their electors. It would be to disallow electors from certain places, which would then bring you to the House of Representatives and the Senate deciding the presidency. I only got about 20 seconds. I have it right, correct? Yeah, no, actually, you would have to disallow from several states. And if one of the houses of Congress, meaning the House of Representatives, does not vote to disallow, those votes are counted. So by default, they are counted unless right. both houses uh, choose to disregard them. So there's zero chance of success here. And and uh, let's look, I'm with you there. I understand that. We've been discussing this. You know, I, I always say that the odds are, are less than 1% or less than 1% because there's some strange chance it exists. But we live in we live in the reality. And I appreciate you breaking it down. I want to make sure I understood it. I don't ever want to get it wrong. I want to make sure we're all talking on the same page. Cornell Law Professor William Jacobson, LegalInsurrection.com. Check out the site. I appreciate you. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. I'm Fingers Malloy with the Bourbon Minute, brought to you by the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast. Thanks to the passage of Kentucky's HB 415, retailers and distilleries in the state can now sell whiskey and other spirits online for the first time. As reported by the Whiskey Wash, the Kentucky General Assembly passed the bill allowing the system, and it finally went into effect late last year. So now Kentucky is allowing consumers to buy alcohol online directly from producers and have it shipped to their homes. Consumers in other states will also be allowed to take advantage, provided their state has similar laws on the books about buying spirits online. So depending on if it's legal in your state, you may be able to order bourbon directly from a Kentucky distillery online, and that's great news. This was the Bourbon Minute brought to you by Eat, Drink, Smoke. It's your cigar bourbon foodie radio extravaganza. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or your favorite podcast platform. Eat, drink, smoke. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going to happen in Georgia? I don't know. I really and truly don't know how it's going to play out. And I would share with you polling data, but yeah, I don't do that. I don't do that. 
anymore. I, for what reason would I have faith in any level of polling? That seems criminally insane. There's data that will show you that yeah, the the uh, Democrats are up a touch, but all within margin of error kind of things, and nothing that should get anybody crazy. Right? That nothing that should make you say, oh my gosh, it's over. I think the question before the House is, is Georgia going blue? And don't we notice a lot of places that have this conversation of going blue? Texas is going blue and Georgia. and Well, how do you square that with the idea that not a single Republican got voted out in the House of Representatives. They gained seats. They didn't lose seats, right? They built on on their totals. They didn't sacrifice their totals. That's pretty interesting stuff. How does that, how does that work? How does that come together? I'm telling you I'm not sure. I'm telling you that it doesn't make sense, that I have a hard time buying in to this idea that this place is going blue and that place is going blue. The conversation of whether or not there are election improprieties is a worthwhile, good, solid conversation, one that I favor, right? I favor investigations into them, recognizing what's going on. But you can't deny in one of the big, big takeaways of this election is going to be that media may have gotten a win in convincing Americans that Donald Trump was just unworthy and unpresidential and indecent and not American and it's just like the claims of, of, of bigotry and racism and, and, and all these things. How many times are you going to hear people say, oh, you're a Republican, I'm racist. Racist? What in the world about me would make you say, oh, no, a Republican, racist, that's just the way it is. This is what they want to do, and this is what they've been successful at doing. Making no bones about their lies, happily lying because to them the ends justify the, the, the means, and engaging in a full-on level of gaslighting. Now, we see this most clear in the unity conversation. That's a conversation I'm going to get into. But one of the places it plays out is about the statue in Boston. There is a statue. It is a replica of the original, and the original statue is Abraham Lincoln freeing a slave. And the slave is on one knee getting up, and Abraham Lincoln is there with his hand kind of over uh, this, this black man, the slave. And the, the statue itself is now been taken down in Boston. After engaging in the public process, it's clear that residents and visitors to Boston have been uncomfortable with the statue and its reductive representation of the black man's role in the abolitionist movement. I fully support the Boston Art Commission's decision for removal and then thank them for their work. This statue is called Emancipation Group. 
Emancipation Memorial, sometimes referred to as the Freedmen's Memorial. Great write-up about it at dailywire.com. It's an 1879 copy of the original, which was created in 1876. And in that ceremony, there was uh, a speech from Frederick Douglass. Now, Frederick Douglass is a must-read. And one of the things that you really should read is What to the Slave is the Fourth of July. It's exceptional exceptional. And very often you'll hear people who are uh, ideologues and certainly not talking about color of skin. They're talking about ideology and political ideology, right? The, the, the progressivism, the Marxism, etc. You know, saying 4th of July is a white man's holiday, <laughs> right? Uh, this is a Colin Kaepernick line. Ah, white man's holiday. None of that is true. When Frederick Douglass was speaking to people asking what to the slave is the 4th of July, 4th of July was being celebrated and there was still slavery and he was looking people in the eye, white people in the eye and saying, uh, you see my problem, right? You have me here speaking, I'm happy to speak to you. But what is going on out there simply is an untenable conversation. Why would you expect me to celebrate when that's happening? People often talk about Frederick Douglass. Oh, God, despise the Constitution, hate this. No, no, no. Frederick Douglass studied the Constitution and came to realize its greatness and spoke about it regularly. I'd appreciate it if people, I don't know, read a book. It'd be really, really good if people read a book. This statue is important Freed slaves raised money to make this statue. A freed slave was the model for the slave in on the statue, right? Posed for it. There's a story here that is remarkable and valuable about very concepts of freedom and about how America did exactly what it's supposed to do. We, the people, in order to form a more perfect union, it didn't start off perfect, it's not perfect today, it gets more perfect as we go. Better on better on better. This statue has value and they're going to take it down because someone felt uncomfortable? Uncomfortable. It's not a reason to remove art. It tells the story of America getting better. We shouldn't hide this. What kind of bigotry and hate exists in that? And yet you call people on the political right racist? You're afraid of a statue and the story it tells, one of unbelievable hope and creating a better society. But you're so offended, you can't keep your bigotry under control and you have to get rid of the statue. Sick. Wrong as I see it. Cities should fight over being able to have that statue. And more, and more conversations of becoming the more perfect union. Art matters greatly, guys. Art matters incredibly. Boston doesn't understand it. That's a shame. You should. I'm Tony Katz. It's an interesting one-two punch of a story about coronavirus. It was interesting, uh, the Federalist pointing out that Joe Biden, Joe Biden had said that 250,000 people would die of COVID in December, and he was off 
It's only by 178,000. Missed it by that much. He really did. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. I think people would say, Tony, are you making light of coronavirus deaths? No. I don't think we should make light of any death. I make the argument that Joe Biden was trying to scare people and Joe Biden has no scientific basis for the things that he says. He's fear-mongering, and we should know that about the guy who's going to be president of the United States, and we should say, that's pretty disgusting. We shouldn't act like Joe Biden is this good guy. I've never thought Joe Biden's a good guy. I've never thought Joe Biden is a moderate. But to the progressives, he's a moderate. And you know what? I I said this. I want to say for the record, I said what I said. I actually still believe it. What I got was I got coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. I said that the progressives will never vote for a moderate. I believe that to be true. Moderates will vote for a progressive. Progressives will never vote for a moderate. And that's why I said Joe Biden won't even get the nomination. Well, bring on coronavirus. Bring on how people changed uh, how they were going to uh, be able to run for office. Unquestionably. And bring in Kamala Harris and the ability to move and maneuver Joe Biden, where progressives thought, well, you know what? We really can bend him to our will. Oh, okay. I mean, that is what happened. A lot happened to get Joe Biden into the White House, and none of it is good. But Joe Biden clearly knew what his son Hunter Biden was doing and lies about it. Joe Biden refers to his son as the smartest person he knows. It's your son. I don't expect you to say anything else. But with all due respect, no, he's not. And you know that. So why would you say he's the smartest person you know? Because he's your son. That's what you say. But we both know that's not true. That'd be like Donald Trump saying Don Jr. is the smartest guy he knows. That can't be. And I'm not anti-Don Jr. I got nothing against the dude at all. I'm just saying, no, he's not. If only because you know Carl Icahn, there's no way Donald Trump Jr. is the smartest guy you know. I love my kids. Not the smartest guys I know. Not the smartest gals I know. Not the smartest people I know. Just, just saying. Joe Biden lied about those numbers. He made them up to try and scare people. And no one will hold him to it. That's why I like the story so much over there at The Federalist. Then there is, well, something fascinating happening over at Cosmopolitan. They have the February 2021 issue, the, the, the cover, out. There's two different covers. And the covers are of two women who are clearly overweight. We're not talking about big. We're talking about overweight. In gym clothes, and they're smiling, and they're, they're doing a yoga pose, and it says, this is healthy. 11 women on why wellness doesn't have to be one size fits all. And someone did a great, great job um, of putting the cover next to an article from Science. I guess it's a magazine called Science. Why COVID-19 is more deadly in people with obesity, even if they're young. 
Why would Cosmopolitan tell us that being overweight is healthy when doctors are telling us, you know, people who are overweight have a harder time with coronavirus because it's a comorbidity. And it creates other comorbidities that when you get coronavirus, it leads to a more deadly or dangerous outcome. Because in the woke society, you know, fat is beautiful. Now, I will tell you uh, that, that just uh, for, for the record, I am not into the skinny ladies. Hey, phrase it. I'm just saying I like a little bit of curve. I like a little, I like to know that, that she's there. What? I'm just just a boy with a with a fetish. That's all I am. Okay. I have nothing against ultra thin women. I'm just saying I have my own attractions, and those are fine. And I don't have to change them to make somebody else feel better. There's someone out there for everybody. But. Overweight isn't as healthy as not overweight. Now, that is not to say that somebody who is the right weight doesn't have health issues. I certainly would never to tell you, you know, you really should pay attention to the food pyramid and what the government says is overweight. Those people don't know anything. Ari, how, how tall are you, producer Ari? 6'9". You are not 6'9". I'm like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, right. And, and, and how much do you weigh? Uh, like 140. All right, so would the government say um, you're overweight? No, but I, I'm close because of my height. I mean, technically, on the BMI index, because of my height, uh, overweight is, I think, like 150. No, 5'6", you're right. 5'6", the, nor- is, is, the normal range is 118 to 154. And what do you weigh? 140. Okay, you're fine. You're Thank right God. there. You're right there in the middle. But let's say he was 5'6 and 155 pounds. Should we really consider him overweight? Should we really say, hmm, not healthy? No. Now, if he's 5'6 and 317 pounds, yes. That's a very acceptable thing to say. By the way, according to uh, the BMI charts, I get listed as obese. That's that's what it says about me. Should I lose weight? Yes. Do I have a hard time with it? Yes. Am I actually working on it and trying to understand what's going on with me? Oh, I should do I should do the whole Doogie Hauser thing. I could break down what's going on, and someone's gonna send me like, "Well, you should try this weight loss plan." No, you should really work out with me. Don't 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 do that. Please don't insult me in that way. I'm here to tell you that medically something is up, and I don't know what it is. And I'm trying to figure it out. I am trying to break it down to its component parts and see what it is that's going on. But my that's my weight. My cholesterol's fantastic. Everything else is working well. So I don't think that we should play, you know, just because of one thing, it is all the things. But Cosmopolitan is celebrating overweight women, if not obese women. That is not something to celebrate because we have scientific data on coronavirus. So why shouldn't we say so? Hey, Cosmo, don't be celebrating this. They shouldn't be celebrating it, but they do it because being woke is most important and science comes second or third or wherever they need to put it in the woke scale for that day. 
On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Parlor Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today.